Father, we're so thankful for the day that you've blessed us with, for the time that you've allowed us to spend here together this morning, uh, and even just for the fact that you have, you have given us one another. And as we uh, continue to look at some of these specific one another commands in your word, we ask God that you would give us insight, that you would, uh, by your spirit, illuminate your word to us, that we would understand, but then also empower us to live in light of uh, what your word says. Uh, we pray that you would be with our time together this morning. May there be uh, even good discussion as we look at uh, some of these things and, and help us, God, to consider rightly what your word says uh, and to be challenged where we need challenge, to be encouraged where we need encouraged, uh, and ultimately to be drawn closer uh, to you uh, and also, in so doing, closer to one another. So we're thankful for this time and pray that you'd be glorified in it. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we have looked at <clears throat> uh, these one another commands, I must say that I have found it um, challenging at times. Uh, and... And it's interesting because the one another commands are, are, are simple instructions, right? The idea of, of humbling yourselves before one another, um, or as we'll look at today, encouraging one another. It doesn't, take, it doesn't take a lot of thought effort to say, okay, what does this text mean? Uh, an example of something that takes a lot of thought effort to understand what it means is uh, the passage that we heard preached this morning, Romans chapter 9. Uh, it takes a lot of thought effort uh, to, to understand. But the one another commands are not difficult instructions. They are, however, difficult to do. They're difficult to live. And, and I think that's why I've found them challenging. Because they're requiring of me, they're requiring of us, that we would live differently. And, and there have been areas in my life where I have not been living in accord with some of the one another commands that, that we've looked at. Uh, and so... I just wanted to start by saying that because um, I recognize that that might be the case for some of you as well. And the encouragement that we can take from that, though, is that, that each of these commands that we've looked at so far, I think part of the foundation that we've laid is that we need to follow the example of Jesus who emptied himself and, and considered others more important than himself, we're, we're seeking to follow in that example that he set for us, and that forces us to take our eyes off of ourselves and put them on others who are around us, and that is not natural to us. It is, however, supernatural that, that the Holy Spirit empowers us to do that, and so as we've considered these, these one another commands, um, it's just been interesting to me to see different areas of my life where I am in need of the Holy Spirit um, in, in order to, to live in light of what is commanded. 
And so I, I think that's the case for all that we've discussed so far. And it will be the case for the one another commands that we look at this week. Uh, I have prepared to look at Hebrews 10 and also Galatians 6. If my track record says anything, we'll look at Hebrews 10 this week. Uh, So if you want to turn to Hebrews chapter 10, we will consider uh, verses 23 through 25, which there's a, a little bit of a loophole here because I set out each week to cover two one another commands. And Hebrews 10 contains two one another commands. So while we may not get to Galatians 6 2 this morning, I, I hope we, in some form or fashion we still cover uh, two one another commands. So, Hebrews chapter 10, we're going to look at verses 23 through 25. I'll read those verses, and we will consider them together. It says this, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Two commands in those verses. Just quickly, what are they? Anyone? Consider one another. Consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Encourage one another. So those are the two explicit one another commands. We will eventually get to the, um, the sandwich that exists there because there's another command in the middle of those. It's not exactly a one another command, but I think it's how we are to um, put into practice the one another commands. So, Hebrews 10 comes on, again, again, deep insight here, I'm sure, comes on the tail of the first nine chapters of the book of Hebrews. Okay? So, you've got Hebrews 1 through 9, and then you've got Hebrews 10. And there's, there's a transition that takes place in Hebrews 10. Um, I, I'll just get this out of the way at the beginning. I'm most likely at some point going to refer to the author of Hebrews as Paul. We're not entirely sure who wrote Hebrews. I have my opinions, and oftentimes I accidentally say Paul because I think Hebrews is a sermon that Paul preached and um, possibly Luke wrote down. But anyway, if I say the author of Hebrews, Paul, just know that I'm not making a definitive statement. I've just slipped up. But the first nine chapters of Hebrews focuses on the Old Testament sacrificial system. But not just the Old Testament sacrificial system, it's focusing on how that system culminates in Christ. How, how Christ fulfills the daily sacrifices, the yearly sacrifices in His once for all sacrifice. And then we come to Hebrews chapter 10, And we see the word, therefore. Now when you're reading the Bible, or or anything really, but especially the Bible, when you're reading the Bible and you come across the word, therefore, 
You have to figure out what it's there for. And so there's, there's context that comes before the, the passage that we're considering today that we need to understand before we can rightly understand what it is that we are reading. And so in this transition from Hebrews 1-9 through to, to starting chapter 10, the author transitions from the theological foundation that he's laying to then how we are to live in light of that truth. So he has laid the foundation for the fact that Jesus has fulfilled the Old Testament sacrificial system. And his therefore comes and says, our lives are to change because of that. And so then we come to verse 23, where the author calls us to hold fast the confession of our hope. In these verses, the author tells us what the body of Christ should look like. He starts with the idea of holding on to the confession of our hope. Which means, in order to be a Christian, you must put your faith in Jesus. The confession of our hope is, I think, probably two things. It's it's firstly a set of things that we are to believe, but it's also a person, the Lord Jesus. And so we confess, I believe, this this set of things that, that... Paul has laid out, but then I also believe that this person, Jesus, is the fulfillment of of all the Old Testament was pointing to. And so what that requires is that you believe that the work of Jesus Christ on the cross is the only way that we can experience forgiveness from God. We no longer are, are taking trips to Jerusalem to go to the temple to make sacrifices. Jesus did that, and then as Hebrews chapter 1 says, He sat down. Now you only sit down when you're, you're done with the job. Jesus is done with the job. He made the sacrifice, and He is now still seated at the right hand of the Father. And so because of that, we have the hope of heaven to look forward to. So the confession of our hope that we make is us looking forward to receiving fully what God has promised when we placed our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And He promised specifically forgiveness fully and finally, but then also eternity with Him. And so in verse 23, when the author says... We need not waver from this confession. He means that no matter what we face in the world, persecution in this world, difficulties in our lives, anything that you could list that would cause you to take your eyes off of Jesus, he's saying we do not waver. We are to be steadfast. We're to be um, immovable. But guess what? You can't do that alone. And I think, I think that's the point of the passage. That's the point of the, the few verses that we're considering today. Hebrews 10, 23-25. If we are to hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, we need one another. This is not something we can do alone. 
And thankfully, God has designed the church to, to be the arena in which we hold fast the confession of our hope. Because as I, I laid out in the first week, that Christianity is a team sport. And it requires others around you to help you stay on track. God designed the body to work together in not wavering from the confession of our hope. And the way we hold, hold fast our confession together is seen in the three commands that we've already read from Hebrews chapter 10, which are, let us consider how to stir up one another, don't neglect to meet together, and encourage one, one another. And so before we look specifically at, at the two one another commands, I want to I consider the commands briefly out of order uh, and then even get some of your input uh, because I think even though it's not specifically a one another command, it's not something that we can do alone, as we'll see. So, um, first, we look at the second command, command, which is not neglecting to meet together. So basically... What the author is commanding us here is to come to church, gather together on the Lord's day, and worship the Lord. Um, there's, there's a lot more I could say, but I, I want to keep it to this. God has designed the body of Christ to be committed to one another in the pursuit of holiness. And that requires being involved in one another's lives. And I think God designed this Lord's Day gathering, coming together on a Sunday morning to be the start of, of that process, of being involved in one another's lives. And, and so uh, the easiest form of obedience, if you want to obey God, the easiest thing for you to do is to show up on, uh, on a Sunday morning and be here. Now, I think there's more that we should do when we're here, but in being obedient to, to what the author, and I was just about to say Paul, what the author is saying when he says, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, saying, be here. Be involved in one another's lives. So then, the one another's, the first one says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Is there any part of that command that, that sticks out to you? Anything that you find interesting from that command? Kimber? Yeah. Yeah. You're supposed to be giving it some thought. What else? Yeah, the question, how, how do you stimulate? Or as some translations say, provoke, stir up one another. How do we do this? And yeah, we'll, we'll talk, yeah. We'll do it differently. We'll, we'll do it differently. We will um, obey this command differently in practice. Morgan. I guess that he's also already acknowledging that you know this is something that will have to change in some people's lives. This isn't something that is you know that no one struggles with. Like yeah. it's something that 
some people will have to immediately change. Yeah. So Morgan is saying that there's the assumption that this is going to require change in, in people's lives. Most of the time, when I was looking at this command, uh, I, I would focus on the, the stir one another up aspect of it. And so it says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. And, and I would focus on the stirring up. But as Kimber already drew out for us, there's something that comes before that. Let us consider. I, I like how, how Greg Gilbert, he's a pastor in Louisville, uh, he says this. Notice two more things in the text. First, the author of Hebrews says to consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. He's telling us, in other words, to think about it. A Christian ought to plot, plan, conspire, contrive, and design how he might stir up his brothers and sisters to good works. Something he simply cannot do unless his life is tightly intertwined with theirs. How exactly can a Christian plot and plan for the good of his fellow believers if he does not know them? Second, notice the word stir, which King James or the NRSV translate provoke. An individual's presence in the body should have a visible effect on others, a stirring or provocative effect. And that effect is love and good deeds begin to abound in the lives of the people around them. So, I'll just put the question to you. How do we think about, how do we consider how to stir up one another? Craig? Um, I was just thinking about, like, you're talking about Yeah. Sure. So you're, you're answering my question with a question? <laughs> is, is that what you're doing? You're, you're asking how can, I, how can I come to someone and... and okay. Okay, okay. Yeah, so, so there needs to be the, the thought process in yourself first that I'm, I'm commanded elsewhere to speak the truth in love and um, fulfilling this command needs to be done in love, not as thinking you're better than someone else. Yeah. Jared, I saw your hand first. Yeah. 
same vein as like it's not like encourage. You know what I mean? Sure. It's almost like a challenge. Yeah. And I think maybe that's like uh, it's a little bit of a different kind of flavor first. Yeah. A little strange. So yeah. I think we, I don't, it might not be something we usually grapple with. I think. Sure. It's almost like you know I don't know like almost like pick on someone until they like. Like poke a bear, you know? Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, that, that's a good observation. Jared is saying that it's it's a, a bit of a different flavor verse than we're used to, um, because he thought of it's almost as if you're poking a bear, which I, I think I think that's right. And 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 so the understanding that we have of stirring up one another to love and good works, there should be this sort of like, well, I mean, the word is provoke. And, and I remember being yelled at as a kid for provoking my little sister. It's not usually used in a, in a positive light. And however, this is exactly what we're being told to do, to, to consider how it is we can provoke one another, but, but the provocation is to love and good works. Um, so, yeah, a little bit different. I, yeah, Kimber. Spur, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. 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 Right? Yeah. Can, can I quote you on that? Sometimes we just need kick. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's right. Elva. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's good. So so even in the in the two different words to to consider and to stir, there's there's a word that's a thought process, but then there's an action process as well. So I I mean I know I'm guilty often of having the thought but not putting it into action, and both are commanded here. Um, I think there were other hands. Were Marion? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so th- this is a mutual thing, and I think that's kind of how the, the middle command of not neglecting to meet together fits in, partly, where it's, it's we're doing this as a body. This is all of us. And, and that's, I think, important. Dr. Gray. I think uh, the whole idea to consider involves, you know, Greg said we don't want to, we want to do it gently. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, fine. But provoking, sometimes maybe we need to, as Kimber said, you know, give somebody a good food to be able yeah. to get the food. Right. Uh, with the blessing of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> right. Right. 
I might say here, you need to pray about this. Sure. Reflect about this. You don't just go barging in rudely. Right. Or nor do you soft coat it so much that it's almost like, oh yeah, that's what he's done. You know. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, and sometimes it is loving to give the boot. Yeah, yeah, Linda. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. Um, so in case you didn't hear, Linda was saying, uh, having had an experience of planning an event for a women's conference and, and she had heard something about the speaker that was being considered and went to the leadership and said, hey, I've heard this, and then the responsibility was put back on Linda because the leadership said, well, what are you going to do about it? And so that was putting the responsibility on her, and, and I think as she's rightly um, saying, that that was stirring up. She was being stirred up uh, by that. Jim. Yeah, so I, I, think, I think the stirring up one another to love and good works, the command is given to the church, not neglecting to meet together. And so we are stirring one another up to then love one another, do good works to one another, and that, I mean, I think that's going to include your non-believing neighbor. So I, I think it's, it's an instruction, a command given to the church that then overflows to anyone we're interacting with. Okay. So what do you what do you what do you mean by that? Right. Okay. I think it's it's the action of love. I don't think it's it's the the sharing of the gospel that's in view here. Yeah, yeah. So so I, yeah. Just as I've considered this, it's it's been interesting because as I've already said, I, I'm I, I'm likely to have the thought, less likely to put it into practice. But that that's what's required of us, right? And so, to, to consider both of these together, the consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, we both need to think about it, but then also put it into practice. And, and, and then, even just as um, 
as the focus is on, I think as he goes on to say, not neglecting to meet with one another, I think what this requires of us is that throughout the week, we are, we are to be thinking of our brothers and sisters in Christ and saying, you know, how, how could I stir up this person to love and good work. So, so even as, as Gilbert used all of the different phrases, um, he said, we ought to plot, plan, conspire, contrive, and design how we might stir our brothers and sisters to good works. I, I just wonder if throughout the week you spend time thinking about that. Like, oh, okay, we're, we're, we're meeting together on Sunday morning. How, how can I be prepared to stir up a brother or sister in Christ to love and good works? Yeah. She asked me how someone has stirred me up to love and good works. Um, that's a great question. Um... Yeah, so <clears throat> this weekend with the uh, women's conference, there was the need for child care. And if I'm completely honest, I did not want to spend three hours of my Saturday morning taking care of children and doing that uh and there were com- so i'm i'm you you have stirred me up uh, to love and good works um where and and it was it was not even it so I, i'm saying this as a qualifier at first i don't think that stirring up has to be rebuke i, I think it can also just be encouragement so friday night after um brown was at the conference we were just talking about what had taken place at the conference and, and what had um, transpired, some of the, the things that were being shared. Uh, one, of, one of the pastors who was speaking got four fire emojis in a text message that Brianna sent to me. And if you've not... If you've not yes, fire emojis are good. If you need an explanation of that, talk to Zane. Uh, he... Uh, <laughs> He got the explanation from Brianna at one point, but I. So I, we we were laying in bed, ready to go to sleep, and I had a bit of a sour attitude as to the fact that I was needed in the morning again to take care of children, and hearing what God was doing in the conference stirred me up, I think, to realize, okay, like, this is something that I can do. It's a good work that I can do so that someone else can benefit. So, that's something recently that took place. Jim. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and, and that, that's, that's a more direct route, someone coming to you and saying, Jim, what are you doing for the Lord? 
That's, that's direct. And I think, I think there's a spectrum of how this can be carried out. Uh, Dr. Gray, Yeah. Which means I have to gather together with them. Yeah. All kinds of forces each other. Yeah. Yeah, I can't go into a room full of strangers right. and tell them what they need to be doing. Yep. <laughs> uh, were you reading my notes by chance? Uh, uh, Morgan, yeah. Um, it's, it seems that it's really that he, this nameless speaker, <laughs> is really encouraging. Um, to keep one another accountable. And the only way to keep one another accountable is through a reoccurring and a consistent um, meeting yeah. and a consistent presence yeah. in one another's lives and keeping them on your mind because I think consider is very important because to stir up towards a positive result is a very finicky process mm -hmm. and has the potential to become something negative mm -hmm. because often when you think of the word provoke yeah. it is not in a positive connotation exactly so this relying on the spirit to and your prior relationship with this person to help direct you towards encouragement stirring up in such a way that will come about and bring a positive reaction, mm -hmm. not a defensive one or not a, um, I don't know, rejecting yeah. one, is a really, it, that is a supernatural thing. Yeah. Because even in our human context, provoke is not to bring about positive. Yeah, exactly. And, and so to sum up what, what Art and Morgan have shared, um, there's, there's a twofold responsibility requirement I think that comes from this firstly we need the Holy Spirit to empower us to do this and secondly we need to be together because we're not going to to be fulfilling this command apart from one another and so in in the one another sandwich that exists in Hebrews 10 the piece of bread being the one another commands with the PBJ in the middle of don't neglect meeting together works together you know you, you take a bite into a pb sammy and you're just oh that that works right so so you've got you've got the consider how to stir up one another to love and good works and then you need to be together to do this and then finally you've got encourage one another on the bottom and and i think they all work together to to form this this beautiful picture of what the body of Christ is supposed to be. Where we are, we are in desperate need of the Holy Spirit, but we also need to be together. And so I think that's probably a decent enough transition to get to the second one another command in Hebrews 10, which says, encouraging one another all the more until you see the day drawing near. So just, just to explain that a little bit before we talk about what exactly encouraging one another is, uh, you'll notice most likely in your translation the capital letter D on day. The day drawing near. 
This is the return of the Lord Jesus. And so, until the Lord comes back, we are to encourage one another all the more. And possibly even encourage one another by reminding one another, hey, you know Jesus is coming back, right? So then, let's talk about encouragement. What do you think is in view here when the author, not maybe Paul, um, is saying, encourage one another? You think he's talking about saying like, oh, hey, you made great soup for lunch the other day. You think that's what he's talking about? Any thoughts? Matt? Yeah. It's a warning against that. It's an encouragement to persevere in faith and, and look to Christ in all things. Amen. And if everyone had your booming voice, I wouldn't have to repeat what anybody said. <laughs> Not the kind of encouragement we're being commanded here, but everybody heard that, right? And I think that's exactly what, what is being commanded here to, to continue on in holiness. Kimber. So reminding one another of, of the promises that we have in Christ. Um, <clears throat> I, I, wanted, I wanted to read a definition, an explanation of what this encouragement is. It's uh, a pastor in somewhere in northern Virginia. His name is Garrett Kell. Uh, and he writes this about what's in view here. He says, Biblical encouragement isn't focused on complimenting someone's haircut or telling them how good their homemade salsa tastes. That kind of encouragement is important, but the encouragement the Scriptures refer to is explicitly Christian encouragement. Encouragement is shared with the hopes that it will lift someone's heart toward the Lord. And he references Colossians 4.8. It points out evidences of grace in another's life to help them see that God is using them. It points a person to God's promises that assures them that, they, that all they face is under His control. 
The New Testament reveals that encouragement was a regular part of the early church's life together. Read through the book of Acts. He, he notes four passages. Acts 13, 15, 16, 40, 18, 27, 20, 1 through 2, and actually a fifth, 27, 36. Just the book of Acts is filled with believers encouraging one another because it was a regular part of their life together. They shared Scripture-saturated words with each other to spur one another on in faith, hope, unity, joy, strength, faithfulness, fruitfulness, perseverance, and the certainty of Christ's return. Encouragement was and is an essential way of extending grace to each other. So with that in mind, in our final few minutes here, what, what do you think are some ways that we can do this? Uh, I have ten listed. And if they overlap, great. What, what are some ways that you think we can encourage one another uh, by, what did he say, uh, is shared, shared with the hopes that it will lift someone's heart toward the Lord? What are some ways that we can do this? Craig. Yeah, call somebody, pray with them. Kimber? I remember uh, back in college when within the group that I was with, you know, someone might ask me, you know, like, how are your quiet times coming along? And I thought, well, how dare you ask me that? You know, maybe I didn't have my quiet time today. Yeah. But it was something that could be used to encourage yeah. me. The next time I see that person, I might be able to tell them, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jared, I think I think you need to be walking with the Lord too. Uh-huh. I, I think we would be way less likely to actually encourage another person to do that. I just from me, like I'm way less likely to challenge someone to like be God. You know what I mean? Like yeah, Lord, if yeah. I'm not doing it too, if there's something I'm avoiding addressing in my life. Right. Yeah. So we first need to be doing what we are encouraging others to do. Morgan. I think an encouragement, and kind of playing off of what Jared said, um, an encouragement to others could be an admittance of your own faults and of your own struggles. Mm. Because oftentimes we get stuck in this mindset of um, individuality or just the fact that we are struggling with things that no one else struggles with. Mm. And I think if we are in each other's lives consistently, then they can find solace in that. And Mm -hmm. also, it is encouraging to encourage. So giving them opportunities to encourage you Mm -hmm. or provide that weakness, I guess, Mm -hmm. is going to help facilitate them, you know, being encouraged. Yeah, yeah. So being open and honest about struggles or weaknesses that we might have, and then allowing that person even to speak into our lives. Uh, so I have this list of ten things. I think it's probably helpful, so I want to share it. Uh, this is um, adapted from again Garrett Kell in an article that he wrote <clears throat> on exactly how we are to encourage. 
And I love that his first point is this. Pray for God to make you an encourager. So if we want to encourage one another, pray that God would make you an encourager. Ask Him to give you a heart that loves others and creativity to know how to show it. Ask Him to help you die to self-centeredness and grow in a desire to build others up. Because God delights in helping His people obey His commands, we can trust that His Spirit will teach us how to bless others for His glory and their spiritual good. Secondly, study Barnabas and ask God to make you like him. Uh, Barnabas was given the name Son of Encouragement. That was his nickname. How would you like to be known as, as the encourager? He was the kind of guy you wanted to be around as you were serving the Lord. He wasn't just a spiritual cheerleader, but he was a man of great conviction who wanted to see the church flourish and did all he could to make it happen. Ask God to give you and your church a heart like Barnabas. Thirdly, make encouragement a daily discipline. I think we oftentimes focus on daily time in the Word and prayer, as we should. But there are other things that we could make daily disciplines as well. For some of us, encouragement comes naturally. For others, not so much. Uh, and, and Garrett Kell says of this, he says, I have a reminder in my calendar each day to send someone an encouraging note, email, text, or phone call. He says, I need this reminder to pause, pray, and then intentionally try to spur someone on to Christ. God has given us some pretty good technology, and if you can't remember to do it yourself... Take advantage of that. Number four, uh, pray for God to show you who to encourage. Ask God to bring someone to mind that you should reach out to. If you're wondering, maybe start with the people who are sitting around you right now. If you want a a broader list, uh, as you're updating your um, picture for the the database, you can also log on to the, um, the directory online on the website and just Look at people who are here at Big Woods and pray for them and seek to encourage them. Number five, use Scripture if you're able. Nothing encourages, encourages us like promises from God's Word. Make a list of Scripture that God has used to bless you personally or an excerpt from something you have read in your daily devotional. Mind the depths of, of the Psalms, Romans 8 and the Gospels, and then share those riches of God's grace with others. Number six, be specific in what you say. I think where I struggle in encouraging is being specific. I mean, also in just doing it. But if I'm doing it, it's easy to be vague. But be specific in what you say. Um, and, and if you have thought about how you've been encouraged and what it has meant to you when it's, when it's specific... You know what blessing that can be to someone else uh, and how it uh, can remind you of the fact that God is working through you. And that is a great encouragement. Number seven, regularly encourage your pastor. If your pastor says something that God uses, tell him about it. Um, And then even just remove the expectation of uh, that he will write back. (laughs) 
or respond with a large list or something, but, but send a card, an email, a text, whatever. Um, nothing encourages a pastor more than hearing specific ways God has used sermon, counseling, Bible study, conversation, whatever it may be, to work in your life. Number eight, pray that God would create a culture of encouragement in your church. Ask God to make your church a community that loves each other in specific, tangible ways like encouragement. Ask God to use you to help fan that flame. Don't get discouraged if people don't return your encouragement or if you don't see fruit from it right away. Creating a church culture that glorifies God takes a long time, lots of prayer, and abundant grace. So keep at it. Number nine, just a a note on wisdom. Uh, And this is a specific example from Garrett Kell again. He says, if you want to encourage someone of the opposite sex, use discernment in how to best do it. If I'm going to encourage a single sister in the congregation, I will tell my wife and copy her on the email. If I'm encouraging a married sister, I would tell my wife and copy her husband uh, of the person as well. Uh, And you can also use that as an opportunity to encourage both the husband and the wife. So there is some wisdom to consider in this as well. And then tenth and finally, get started. Who can you encourage today? Who has blessed you recently that you can thank? What Bible verses could you share with them? And how might God use you, use us, in this task of encouraging one another? I think probably the best thing to do now is... Is that a stretch or a question? Okay. So then probably the best thing to do now is to close in prayer in light of these ten things. Uh, So would you join me in prayer? Father, we ask that these things would be true among us. We pray that you would make us encouragers. And even, even make us known as a church that is encouraging. For us individually here today, we pray that you would make us like Barnabas. That he was known as being a son of encouragement, that, that we also would be known as encouragers. Help us to, to seek to do it as often as possible. And we ask even for today that you would show us someone who we can encourage. We thank you for uh, your spirit who enables this in us, and we pray that you would receive the honor and glory that is due your name because of us following what your word says, empowered by your spirit, uh, to point others to Jesus. We thank you and praise you, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. I think it was Paul. (laughs) I think it was a sermon Paul preached.